It's in the field radio, y'all. Everything's real in the field. On 91.3 FM, WVKR. Welcome to In the Field Radio. I'm Erin Boogie. I'm here with Lady D. What's going on? Shout out to us for recording ourselves in the studio, but then messing it up and not recording. And now here we are again. Take, Take two. two. We got to say everything we said again. I know, but it's so hard. We were having such a good conversation. But you know what? I'm still proud of us for coming up in here and recording ourselves after like a Crash Pro Tools session. Yeah. So Titan Music gave us the Crash Course. And now we're in here recording ourselves in an actual studio. And that's not really that easy to do. No, Pro Tools is hard. Yes, that's why most people just mess with GarageBand or something like that at the crib. But here we are in a professional studio setting with the... I mess with GarageBand. But 20 minutes of a video that tells us what to do. And here we are. Video and written notes. I, I wrote stuff down. I was planning on doing that when I got home later tonight, actually, because I'm so much better with, like, the written notes than I am. Like, and I also, like, I don't want to have to, like, scroll back through 20 minutes worth of video to find out where something, like, some instruction I need is. Yeah. But, yeah, that was awesome. Now we're professional engineers. Hit us for studio time. Psych. Don't, don't hit us for studio time. Yeah, no. Hit Titan Music for studio time. He got the keys to the studio. We're just here for in the field radio purposes. Right. But uh, we have to discuss the elephant. You, you want to address the elephant in the room? Right away. Okay. Let's get it over with. Well, only because that's like the wildest story that I've heard in a long time, and I'm still having a hard time coming to terms with the fact that it actually happened the way that it went down. So tell the story for the people that might not know. Because I didn't... It's been happening for a couple days online, but yeah. without me, apparently. Okay, so if you've been seeing the memes and the discourse about the elephant, uh, apparently this elephant stomped this woman to death because the woman allegedly assisted in the poaching of the elephant's baby. The, the woman threw rocks to distract the elephant while people stole her baby. So the elephant came back to seek revenge. And while that lady was getting water, the elephant caught her lacking and stomped her to death. But that's not where the story ended. No. Maybe where that lady's life ended, but it's not where the story ended. At all. It, it gets, gets more bizarre. <laughs> so the funeral is happening for the woman... And who comes through and crashes the funeral but the elephant? So the elephant comes busting through the funeral and stomps the lady some more. Yeah, no. And the it wasn't the craziest part of the story, I don't think. But they said that several hours after the elephant came back and stomped the lady's body out, they continued on with the funeral. Yeah, that's crazy. It, the, the elephant comes through, stomps the lady out at the funeral throws the body and then gets with his elephant posse and goes into the village and stomps like the homes in the village and stuff like i wouldn't i wouldn't be at that lady's funeral anymore like my house got stomped because you was helping the poachers listen i just need to know like i really want to have the elephant on the show right to explain to us how the elephant knew when the funeral was i saw a picture of the elephant sitting down with oprah that's what I'm saying. But, like, why everybody got to go to Oprah? Why they can't come to In The Field Radio? I don't know. People like to tell Oprah the truth. I have a hard time, I guess, like, processing this entire story. Because, like, when when I saw the video, too, it was, like, without context, right? So it was just, mm-hmm. like, a snippet of, like, the people said at the funeral. And then all of a sudden, an elephant busts through the door and starts throwing <laughs> people, right? So I was, like oh my god that's crazy and then so then you're like well what's the backstory here and then you read the story and you're like so this elephant murdered this woman showed up at the funeral like how did the elephant like that's that's the crazy part to me right so the elephant is an animal right so we kind of we don't really give animals enough credit i guess yeah now all of a sudden they're like (laughs) elephants are revengeful creatures like who do i've never heard that i've heard majestic 
No, I've I was heard... reading and they said that like they're not normally unless they're provoked. So yeah. like they're like if you um I guess they were saying that in over the, over there where it was that some of these Asian elephants are like targeted, they're like beat and abused and stabbed. This was in for, India, yeah. For uh like the tusk like and entertainment purposes. No, oh. for like entertainment purposes, yeah. So like tourism and stuff. Oh, no. And so like these elephants are like that that something must have happened to this elephant, right? That or could have happened to this elephant in his herd, like prior to all these other things over happening. Over time. Yeah. And then maybe the baby thing was the last straw. Yes. And then but still it's like we don't give these animals enough credit to come through to say like okay like this elephant was angry and like killed this woman but like this elephant like got his crew together and came back and jumped the village and showed up at the funeral and destroyed the whole funeral right and i mean most people are like who told the elephant when the funeral was i i think the elephant maybe smelled it because maybe the elephant was aware that it killed someone i mean i guess he knew who he killed too I'm, she's gonna have the same smell right maybe but like yo the elephant ran through the whole funeral yeah to get to her to get, yes didn't stomp anybody saying. else though yes. didn't stomp yes. anybody else because i didn't i mean i don't know if anybody else got stomped but i didn't see any other no. reports of anybody else like, being stomped he like her. ran through people to like get to the body but wasn't like oh let me stop and you know just get everyone destroy you yeah. or like stomp you or like throw you out the way it was like I'm beelining straight to where yes. I need to be. I mean. And that for me was the whole, I was like, oh, okay. Like this elephant isn't playing. This elephant did yeah. not come here to play games. It's it's very uh, impressive, but I mean, I guess it's awful. But listen, you know, no one's like that elephant is wrong. The general consensus is what did that lady do to the elephant? Yes. Are we victim blaming? That's how I'm not sure because <laughs> I don't I don't feel equipped to discuss this situation and form an opinion because it's no one super for new a second thought that the elephant was just acting like on his own accord. Like everyone was like that lady did something. Like even if they didn't know the whole story, they were like, hmm, what did she do? <laughs> That's like <laughs> and you like discourage like victim shaming and victim right? blaming and Yo. stuff, but it's like it's an elephant, like yeah, for the elephant to kill you and then come back and re-kill you, like super, yeah, <laughs> you know what like I mean? nah, <laughs> like it's the elephant was real. That's angry. not even normal, yeah, like wild. Well, something that I wanted to touch on that's less wild, but equally as educational. Yeah. <laughs> but also pertaining to the Hudson Valley, that's why I wanted to bring it up, was uh, the new season of David Letterman's uh, Next Guest Needs No Introduction dropped on Netflix. And he did an interview with Cardi B, and it was a cute interview. It was a good interview, but it was it pertains to the Hudson Valley because... Cardi B and David Letterman came up to the Roosevelt Presidential Library in Hyde Park. So the premise of the, it's a formal sit down interview and then David Letterman usually takes them into like their home or like a place that's like personal to them um, for a portion of the interview and then they'll like intertwine like the scenes. So for her, she went to a bodega, like classic Cardi B Bronx, Mm -hmm. and then came up here to the FDR Library in Hyde Park. Um, and I guess they were here earlier this year in February filming and took a tour. They were able to like walk around the presidential library and the president's former home. And they had uh, some of the like tour people mm-hmm. there. And like, well, obviously it was like a big deal for them. So it was like, I think like the head of like the presidential library museum and stuff like that was there. And then they just kind of like walked around filming. And when they had questions, the people were on hand to answer their questions. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I didn't know and I found interesting, because Cardi B has inserted herself into politics. Like, she sat down with Bernie Sanders right. and stuff. So, like, I knew she was into that. But she told the story of how she got into presidents. I guess she's super into presidents, and um, Roosevelt is her favorite. I guess when she was in elementary school, they were supposed to go on a field trip. And for whatever reason, she couldn't go, and she stayed behind. And one of the assignments that she had to do was about presidents. Mm-hmm. And when she learned about Roosevelt, um, she found out that Eleanor Roosevelt had the same birthday as her. 
Mm. And so that became like her favorite president. And so she like did a bunch of research on him and stuff. So I, like for me, it was cool seeing a piece of the Hudson Valley mm-hmm. in the in the interview and I feel like the Hudson Valley has gotten recognized a lot more lately like you know during COVID some of the news casters and stuff were like up here in the Hudson Valley in their Mm -hmm. Hudson Valley homes broadcasting so but like it was cool to see a rapper come up here to a a presidential library and museum and now like those kids that will look up to her and stuff because I don't Mm -hmm. think Cardi B doesn't get enough credit I think for being educated outside of just like her music and being sexy right. and that sort of thing right so it was like really cool to see that side of her and then also have it take place like in our backyard right so i mean it's ticking me off a little bit that you're the only one i've heard talk about this really because i saw they could talk about yeah articles have been obviously yeah. but i'm talking about like the general public speaking on cardi b you you could see a million when when wop dropped oh man, oh yeah. a million people posting oh this is what our kids are looking up to oh my goodness blah 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 she you know you don't want uh people being like cardi b you want them like lauren hill who ain't no better but anyway well and to be honest if like breaking it down that way if i was gonna ask my daughter to look up to somebody it's not gonna be lauren hill okay <laughs> it's it's can not. we just say she that. makes great music but she's had some real real rough years where cardi b has been an entrepreneur she's at college educated um you know has her own husband and not someone else's <laughs> yeah. but anyway you know shows up to shows on time okay I just people don't be knowing what they're talking about, but that is very interesting and yeah. awesome. And I, ho- I hope we start to see more things like that intertwined with hip hop. Yeah, especially like with the attention that drill rap has gotten recently mm-hmm. um, for being negative and the shooting, the violence, the mm-hmm. death. Like, I would rather talk about Cardi B coming up here to the presidential library than seeing another kid out there on the streets getting shot. But you know what? You know what's crazy about that? That you say, you know, a lot of violence is attributed to rap music and drill and stuff like that. There's a lot of shooting. Well, there was a shooting in Texas. A lot of shooting in Texas. Shooting in Buffalo, in in boom hip towns, okay? And I don't know what they're listening to over there, but I highly doubt it's drill music. That's all I'm saying. Talk about it. But, uh, you know, I digress. But now, I'm going to get back on track. I'm going to play the interview with Zach Zoya. He's from Canada. And then we're going to come back. In the Phil Radio, Lady D, Aaron Boogie. Hey, are you thinking about starting your own podcast? Well, you can stop overthinking it because the hardest part is actually getting started. And that's where Buzzsprout comes in. Buzzsprout makes it easy to launch your podcast and has already helped over 100,000 people just like you start and grow their own podcast. With Buzzsprout, you can have your show listed on all major platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. You'll get a great-looking podcast website, audio players you can embed on other websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and more. Stop waiting. Start your own podcast today and get a $20 Amazon gift card. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes below. This lets Buzzsprout know we sent you and it helps support our show. Welcome back to In The Field Radio. I'm Erin Pookie. I'm here with Lady D and we're here with Zach Zoya. Hey y'all, how are you guys? We're pretty good. We can't complain. We're happy to be here. Yeah, that's good. Thank you for having me. So for those that might not be familiar, who is Zach Zoya? How would you describe yourself to our listeners? Uh, I would describe myself as a 24-year-old uh, singer, songwriter, rapper from uh, Montreal, Canada. And uh, yeah, I've been making music for, for about seven years now, maybe professionally. And uh, yeah, I make R&B, I make hip-hop, I make, I make good vibes, I have fun. We love good vibes on this show. Okay, so... You're from a small town in Canada. How do you yes. pronounce it? I don't want to butcher it, but when I see it, I know that I will butcher it. Yeah, it's a tough one. So it's it's called Rouen-Noranda. And if you would want to say it, I guess, with the English pronunciation, it would be like Rouen-Noranda or something like that. So Rouen-Noranda. I just wanted to Exactly. Try. Yeah, that's good. First try. That was pretty good. What was it like growing up there? Boring. Boring and cold. If I'm being honest, 
mainly boring and cold, very rocky. Uh, it's like a mine, mining city, or mine-based uh, region. Uh, but it was also, I guess, very open, very safe, I guess you could say, a lot of opportunities, a lot of kids where I was from. And so I think now, look, I hated it as a kid, hated it, and I just could not wait to leave. And now that I have left, I can see how down the road, somebody could be like, yeah, I'm trying to move far away from everything and have a nice, quiet little life where you hunt in the summer and you you go ice, ice fishing in the winter, you know? So it's just not my vibe for the moment. I took the music route, but... Isn't it funny how that works out though? It's like the older you get, the more you just want to hear like birds chirping and go fishing on the Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm getting old. I'm getting so old. Was Hopefully. there a lot of music around you or did you have to like leave the area to do it? So there, there's mm, all around me, like an environment, like a school and everything, like in the life in the city, absolutely not like zero. But I come from a family that's very, I guess, music driven. Nobody, nobody, nobody's a musician. Nobody plays an instrument, but music is always being played in the house. We used to dance a lot as kids, you know, like, you know, the, the usual African family, if I can say, and uh, we we happen to have like uh, I didn't have a TV, I have a computer, so most of like my free time or like my downtime, if I can say, where I wasn't doing anything, I would be just sitting in front of the stereo and just playing CDs, you know. So I, I guess that's where it comes from, my love for music. What were some of the struggles you faced trying to make music in a small town and try to make it a career? Well, I I could say that. Um, I didn't really start making music because exactly, you wouldn't really see a lane, like an avenue for that to be successful. So I didn't really start or consider music as a career path. When I lived in Hawaii, it took a minute. It took me to move to Montreal, which is the closest, biggest city, um, and try it out there for it to become like a serious thing. Like I, I was like freestyling at parties. I was like, I wasn't really in the music world like that. I was more of an athlete and then I had a, kind of an abrupt switch when I moved out of my hometown and I just switched my whole, like I dropped out of school very quickly and dedicated myself to music 100%, so. Who are your like influences? And they could be from America, not America, like anywhere. Yeah, I would say they're mostly American. I would say mostly American, but there's a lot of, there's a bit of French from France artists in there. Of course, a bunch of homegrown Quebecers, uh, French Canadians. Uh, but I would say mostly, so what it comes down to is the CDs I had at home. So it's not, I'm not, I didn't grow up on Kanye West. I grew up on graduation from Kanye West. Okay. I didn't grow up on, you know what I mean? I didn't grow up on Usher. I grew up on Confession of Usher. You know what I mean? Like very specific CDs that we just happen to have and I would play them over and over and over and over and over again. But I would say those two I just named, uh, Usher, Chris Brown, early Chris Brown, uh, the Black Eyed Peas, the more, the more I think about it had a big role in like what I like in, in music. I remember I also had like the Eight Mile soundtrack. So it was like a mix of like Eminem, 50, Jay-Z, D12, you know, a bit of that. Um, a bit of African music, Soweto Gospel Choir and stuff like that, Filakuti, um, a bit of like older music, I guess it was a bit of Elvis, a lot of Michael, of course, uh, some like Simon and Garfunkel, I think that's what they say. Um, yeah, a bunch of other ones that slipped my mind, but that's like the, the pool, you know? I like how you put that. <laughs> Yeah. Not this person, but this specific project. Like, okay, exactly. there's a whole vibe that comes with it, and everyone could think about what they were doing in their exactly. life, like around that time. Exactly. Extremely specific time periods. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. What was the hip hop scene like in Montreal? Montreal has a rich hip hop scene. The thing is, we have a like a. It's French, so we speak French in Quebec specifically, right? So we speak French and English. So there's a strong and rich and very diverse French scene in the hip hop world and in the pop world, just in the music show business in general. It's like a closed bubble. You can think of it as like, a, you know, some country in Europe that you don't, you wouldn't necessarily think of like Denmark probably has pop stars and like that live within that market and sing and 
Danish and you know it's basically the same thing but in Quebec so we have a strong hip-hop scene and I'm very fortunate to have been embraced by the French Canadian scene even though I was performing in English because they put me on in my first shows they put me on in my first big events there's really big big events like summertime in Montreal it's a continuous festival from like I'd say May to like August is just constant, constant different festivals that promote African culture, sometimes French culture specifically. Sometimes right now we got Mural, we had Skepta yesterday, like some of these events going popping in Montreal. So it's a very, very active culturally city and I'm really happy to be here. Like it's a good time for me to climb up as an artist. One of the things that we were both super interested in is that you were signed to a label where you were the only English artist that you made the decision yes. instead of being a French artist to be English. Like what made you choose English? I think it was never, so I would have never made music if it was to be in French. And I just had that conversation actually with one of my homies where it's like in Quebec, unfortunately Quebec is an island of French and a continent of English and so we have to protect the language and there's laws in place for that and for the protection of the language but what that does is in the defense of the French language and in trying to protect the French language you also push uh, the English in a defense mechanism you kind of cut yourself away and try to push away I guess other languages that are seen as threatening especially English and unfortunately, there's a big association between being a Quebecer with being French and white. And so me as a mixed person with like African descent, I'm born a full Keb, right? But I don't, I don't have the full list of things. To, I'm, I'm not white. I don't got the white factor. So I'm not totally a Quebecer. And so I don't think that was re reflective. So when you see television, when you see music uh when you see um you know radio there's the representation of black people is very little because they want to emphasize the french culture and by doing so they kind of push away all the immigrants unfortunately and i'm part of that population and so i never saw myself on television i never saw myself on radio when i was listening to french music not only was it, was it french but it was white it was white and so people that looked like me and that i could relate to were american for the most part a couple of European people are mostly American. And so when we talk music, if we're speaking of music, the only way if I was gonna make music, I never considered French because I, was, I wasn't doing it. I wasn't enjoying it. That wasn't my music for lack of a better term, right? So as soon as I got into, like my whole life, I was listening to English music because that's what I connected with. And then when it came time to go out there, English was a logical choice. And I also think another point to that is I'm a very ambitious person. And like I just said, the French market is a bubble. So it's it's very rich, but it's self-contained. And it's really hard to get out of if you're very pro-eminent or like, I guess, if you're one of the staples of that, that industry, you're kind of stuck, I guess, in it. Or that's one of my fears as somebody that's within that bubble. So me wanting to reach the world, I don't want to limit myself to only one language. The simple fact that French people listen to English music and English people tend to not listen to French music. That's a super accurate assessment. Yeah. Right. So what made you start taking music seriously as a career? Um, so I guess it started with my friends, for sure. Once I like I was doing kind of doing music for myself in the beginning, like maybe two or three songs. It was very quick that like I, I was trying a little something and partying, like uh, freestyling at parties, and people were like, oh, you're really good at this. And I was like, oh, am I? Let me try to write a song and then post it. And people were like, oh, you're good. Oh, am I? Okay, let me try to write another one. And then it just kept on piling up. But I guess my biggest thing would be um, my first shows. Like when I first got booked for shows, I guess I was a big, um, I guess it my, it's my first real project that I dropped on SoundCloud. And that got me kind of, I guess, recognized by like, I, I basically got co-signed by a lot of the French acts that were, sorry, in the same environment as me, in the same scene, kind of OGs, if you will, that very quickly went like, yo, you're good. Even though it was a different language, uh, they were like, yo, you're good, keep doing that. And so I, it was kind of a big, oh, approval, let's get it, I'm good, I'm good. If they think I'm good and they're established, I'm, I'm good to go. So that must have been around 17. I'm 24 now. 
about seven years ago. Uh, let's talk about your latest project. Yes, no love is ever wasted. How do you feel about smile. it? He's excited. Yeah, I was gonna say you, feel, <laughs> you look like you feel great about He's it. He's got mad excited. <laughs> yes. Like, yay! Yes, <laughs> yes, I am excited about it. It's it's super nice for me to um, finally like. Do, it's funny because we're not in person, but to finally do these in person, like the promo tour and everything, just talking to people and seeing the excitement. Like I'm. Just, like I said, there's a big festival right now in Montreal. The whole street I'm on is closed down. It's full of like a, a pedestrian traffic. It's full of like different stages. And like I said, Skepta was there yesterday. Bunch of uh, local artists as well. And to see the people react to my music and come to me and tell me how much they like it is such a leap. It's like kilometers, oh, miles uh, away from what it was for my, my other No, project, we love the right? kilometers. We love the kilometers. Yeah. No kilometers. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, so Spectrum was great. Spectrum is my first project that I dropped sometime last year or the year before. I don't even know anymore. Uh, but, and, and this, the response was there, but it was through a phone. You know what I mean? It was mostly through Instagram growth and people liking my stuff more than actual people coming to you and saying i like this going to the radio station and seeing them play it and da, 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 da. so i'm as excited as, I, as ooh, i'm excited as can be so it's a super solid project and i had a hard time picking which songs i wanted to discuss with you so mm -hmm. i know upper hand you just released a video with that when you released a project so what was your yes. favorite memory from that video shoot Honestly, the first thing that comes to mind is shooting with my homie. Like Saran, the, the feature on there uh, is one of my best friends. We, we hang out all the time. He's also signed to the same label as me, not the independent one, uh, Universal Canada. And so we relate on a lot of stuff and we can talk about a lot of stuff and we go back home and make a beat and then we get to work, work together. So that's a blessing. You get to work with your friends, you know? So I guess that's the biggest memory uh, the biggest thing I, I retain from that experience. And that mixed in with just uh, the wonderful people I get to work with. You know, Dan Luan, the, the director on there is amazing. And I also got my uh, creative directors, also uh, one of my good friends, and he was basically involved in everything. So it's a very, you know, it's a very personal thing. I get to work with the people I love and it's, it's cool, it's cool stuff. Yeah, that's a blessing to be able to work with your friends like that. Mm -hmm. Um, what did you want your listeners to take away from the album? Ooh. No pressure. Um, <laughs> what do I want people to take away from this album? Ah, uh, because it's multiple things, right? No, it's not. Yeah. It's definitely not just one thing. But if I had to say one thing, I guess hopefully uh, an introduction for a lot of people to my music. I think I'm I'm hitting different markets. Like I said, Quebec is a bubble. I think I'm I'm already pretty established. If I can say back where I'm from here. And I think these are my first, this project is the first one that's really traveling outside of Canada and the rest of Canada. And as an introduction, I guess, uh, hey, look at this good looking, talented little dude that's doing this thing over here. It's kind of what I want people to take away from it. But that's more on the super, like surface level yeah. stuff. If I had to say anything, I think it's a, uh, I'm being pretty vulnerable on there. It's, it's mainly like emotion based. Everything revolves around love, right? It's about relationships and also just love in general, love for life, love for what you're doing, love for the people around you. And uh, I think that's the main thing I want to like, that's my message that I don't really say explicitly, but it's like, especially as men, you have to be able to communicate these emotions. I think I'm very lucky as, a, as an artist to, to get to be like, I have a, an avenue for, 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 my, for my emotions. I'm very vulnerable on there. I, I'm sad and happy and shy and jealous. And like, I think I talk about all these emotions on there. And I hope a lot of, I know a lot of people, uh, a lot of men and a lot of people in general can relate to these things. And sometimes as men, you don't really want to talk about it. You don't really want to, especially showcase it like you you don't you won't put it uh forward like that and i think that's what be be vulnerable be be open that's awesome that's important mm. and then talk a little bit about the meaning behind the title no love is ever wasted because i really love that that explanation thank you 
<laughs> Thank you. So yeah, I did, did it come I together for you. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's, it's coming <laughs> together. So basically, I did speak a bit on that. So I was looking at the songs I had. I, I was looking at my catalog, like the songs I really wanted to to drop, and I realized that they were all love songs. Like somewhere, I thought I was writing about something else, but they always uh, they they end up back in the love song category, and. Um, the biggest lesson that I take away from that is like through trials and tribulation, like I said, love not only of your significant other, but of things in life. I had realized that I would feel like time that was spent on things that weren't maybe directly rewarding or didn't get you the result you expected felt like I've wasted time. So um, what's a good example? Um, working out, you work out for two months and then if you don't finish your workout, you feel like you ah, just wasted that time doing something and didn't get the result. Or in a relationship, you're with somebody for three years and then you're not with that person anymore and it feels like, ah, I wasted those three years. But no, it's basically me telling myself that no, that time is not wasted. Anytime you put any passion and energy you give out to the world, it comes back to you through what well, I believe. It comes back to you through lessons, through experience, through just living experience. And I think there's always something to be learned from that. And if I could like say an example, like a relationship is a perfect example, a conflict you might've had once, if it comes back, if it arises again, you kind of know how to, what to not do, what happened the first time in that relationship that didn't work, maybe you don't do it again. Could be a good way to go forward. So like no love is ever wasted. You didn't lose time in that experience. It was worthwhile. And it's also an invitation to not be scared to try new things or to try things you know you might not succeed in doing because you'll gain experience. Maybe not the experience you expected from that experience, but you're gonna you're gonna learn something. And so it's important to still put yourself out there. Still, once again, be vulnerable with your emotions. Like be open because if you're so scared to get hurt or that it doesn't become a and we live foreverly, uh, what is it? Forever, happily, happily, forever after. Yeah, that one. Uh, if it's not that, it doesn't mean you failed. You know what I mean? So it's important to understand that. No love is ever wasted. Go ahead, keep pushing. And it might fail 20 times again, but it won't be wasted time. So. I love that message. I think that's such an important message. And sometimes Thank I think it's, it's, it's good for people to hear that too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's good for me to hear it because that's usually what I end up thinking like, oh my God, I just wasted all this time. Hey, no, no love is ever wasted. Oh, okay, if you say ever. so. All right, I'll believe you. Now going from the, the deep no love is ever wasted concept to the strangers in the house. There was a stranger in the house. Yes. So you got to tell a little bit. Deb, you kind of missed that from like the pre-recording yeah. conversation, but there was actually a stranger in the house and it was messing up the vibe. Yeah, you missed my little <laughs> spill. Uh, so we usually go to Saran. Saran, who's on a song with me and produced the song as well. Um, once again, he's on a lot of songs. Like I said, it's my good personal friend. And um, so we were at his house doing the usual session where we're kind of just hanging on, hanging outside on the patio and just talking, chopping it up before we usually get in after like a little 30 minute and start making music. Just started to jam it up and one of the neighbors somebody from the neighborhood let me just put it that vaguely with his dog small dog comes at us and just starts talking and you know friendly chit chat it's cool but we were just about to get in and start making music and he's kind of like hanging on to the conversation he kind of wants to hey can i come in with you guys hey can i Hey, let me get a drink too hey i might as well just hey can i can i just listen while y'all make music but he's making continuous comments and he talks a lot and we're trying to make music and so <laughs> i decided to because i couldn't write about anything because i couldn't focus because he was talking and there was a dog in the corner i was fighting with the cat of the owner of the house which is rad so, so i started writing about him the disturbance was my best source of inspiration in the moment so <laughs> strangers in the house was born <laughs> strangers in the house <laughs> yo I love sure. it. As soon as I heard that story, it's like all the lyrics just totally, you're like, oh man, he was really going through it with this stranger oh, yeah. in the house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and once again, that's one of the songs where I started off 
talking about that. And then it kind of veers off into a love song because I kind of go on and it kind of, it's kind of a monologue, right? I'm talking about things and it's kind of like, I'm this literally song evolves. saying, I'm tired, I'm tired of writing love songs. I just can't escape it. It just goes there. It just, it just and by the way, I'm tired of writing love songs. And then you, you go on, so yeah. So what did it mean to be named one of YouTube's trending artists on the rise? It's cool. It's cool. It's refreshing. It's good to see your name out there. It's good to, yeah, it's like, um, it's like checkpoints. You know what I mean? It's like some of these things are just like, you know, they're like glowy billboards. We just got a billboard too in Toronto. And uh, some of these stuff is, is just, it's rewarding. It's, it's oh, okay. Good. You're doing a good job. Keep going. Boom, 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 boom. You can't really, um, you can't stay stuck with it. You know what I mean? You have to keep going, but it's, it's such a, a validating thing. And thank you so much for everybody at YouTube and like the rest of the team that puts everything. Cause there's a part of this that's like 100% me just making music, but we're also a whole army of people working for, for, for my name to go out there. So that's like a, that's a big, yeah, guys, we're doing a good job to everybody involved, not just me, you know? Okay, so now we are going to ask the fun questions. What is your recording process like? Do you write or do you just go off the top or does it depend? Oof, I lost the off the top capability a long time ago. <laughs> mm, that is long gone now. Now what I usually do, I'm fortunate once again to have people in the room with me. So I get to listen to them producers build the beat from ground up. So as soon as I get, I just stay in the corner. I do my little thing. I meditate. I listen to what they're doing. As soon as I get an idea, I lock in and then I tend to write my full thing before I hop on the mic. So I tend to want it to be all structured as one big story or one big, like I said, monologue or whatever before I actually record it. That's how I usually go about it. But sometimes, sometimes I'll just try to, put, especially courses or like ad libby stuff or like where you want really the energy when the energy is more important than what you're actually saying. Sometimes you'll, I'll just go off the top, but most of the time I try to think of every single word and it can be a problem. Is there any uh, artists or producers that you would want to work with in the future? For sure. For sure. There's tons. Like I said, anybody from the Black Eyed Peas, holla at me. Holla at me. I don't know if the group's still a group, but I'm here. I could be the fifth <laughs> one. Is it? Are they four? Whatever. I'm down. I'm down for whatever. Um, I say Pharrell often when that comes up. I would love to work with Smino. I think Smino is really dope. Uh, there's many. I know, like, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but Muramasa, so the producer of Pink Panthers over in the UK. I think uh, they do some incredible stuff. And uh, yeah, there's so many others. Like, I always, when I'm being asked that question, I'll, like, I struggle because there's artists you want to collab with and there's artists you'd make good music with. And I think mm. those are two very different things. Like, you, I could want to get it. I could have said Kendrick Drake, The Weeknd, Justin Bieber, you know, also. And I, let me say, all of those, for sure, all of the above. But uh, sometimes it's not because you like somebody's music that is the best fit, you know what I mean? I think we see that often in, like, big names that are, you know, branded together, they do a collab and it's like the hype is there, but then you listen to the song and it's not better than, it's not the the sum of both, right? It's like maybe even not as good because the two are attached together and it's just kind of a, sometimes it, clash, sometimes it clashes. So yeah. you gotta be careful. See, now you're making me want to restructure that question for the future. Now I want to know who people think they would make good music. Now I want to know who people think they would make good music with. Let's go. You're welcome. <laughs> well, I've welcome. asked people who they would allow to like write for them. Like if somebody uh, could make a song a for too. you, who that is would you allow to? I like yeah. that. Yeah, so good. I would definitely love a Pooh Bear to write for me. Or uh, maybe a Capella Gray. Or... Um, forgot her name i think her name is naija naija yeah. super good songwriter um yeah a couple of these for sure and what can we expect next from zach zoya more music more shows i am working and planning on traveling a lot more now the world is opening back up we're going back to normal you know uh, people I'm for sure. people real life <laughs> 
Uh, I'm planning on coming back to the States as soon as possible. Uh, I want to see Europe a lot more. You know, I want to collaborate with people face to face. I think I, I've missed that. And uh, a lot more music. I think uh, the goal is to start and never stop type of thing, especially in this day and age where you kind of uh, got to stay afloat. People uh, have a short attention span and there's a lot of music out there. So, and I got a lot, a lot of music. So might as well show people, you know, I want to, I want to keep it moving and I'm, I'm excited to show people what I got in the bank. So yes. And a lot of shows this summer too. We're doing a bunch of festivals here. Uh, we're doing Oceaga, which is a big festival in Montreal. Doing a bunch of other ones all around the region and the country. And uh, probably be back in the States by uh, sometime uh, September, August uh, type vibe. We'll see. We'll see how the vibes are. Well, let our listeners know where they can find you on social media, where they can find your music so that way can, they can stay in tune with your movement. And then when you do come back to the States, they can all come out to your shows. Yes. So you can find me at Zach Zoya, Z-A-C-H-Z-O-Y-A on pretty much any platform. It's pretty lucky nobody took my name. I don't know, it's very, I thought it would be like an easy grab, but nobody got it. So TikTok, IG, Twitter, Facebook still, I'm popping. Um, what else? Email, oh, I shouldn't give my email, but it's Zach Zoya, so <laughs> Now the listeners are gonna be emailing you, like, please right. listen to my beat. Let's work. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have strangers in the e- email. Exactly. <laughs> That's the follow-up record to strangers in the house. Strangers in the Gmail. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to sit with us. No problem. Thank you guys for having me. Those were nice questions. Thank you. We Thanks. appreciate that. Welcome back to In The Field Radio. I'm Erin Boogie here with Lady D. What's going on? Man, so that interview with Zach was super great. He's got a real dope album out. He talked about it in the interview, No Love Has Ever Wasted. Make sure you go check that out on all streaming platforms. Um, we were super excited about that interview, so we're really happy that you guys got to hear it. Um, just an update, we have the Sessions Live event the talent show is being rescheduled from june 26th to july 24th so So you got a whole extra month to prepare yeah we definitely forgot about it no not y'all no i know but like also for us because we got so focused on kiki performing at the 116th street festival that we just forgot that we had a showcase coming up so you guys get to reap the benefits of our error so make sure you stay in tune with that um sessions poughkeepsie at gmail.com if you're looking for more information on how you can participate um you can hit us at info at in too and now we get to get into my favorite part of the week the roach of the week ew there's a cockroach right there there's a roach so this week for my roach of the week i chose to go with amber heard (gasps) yes i felt like i've been wanting to give her the roach of the week for a couple weeks since the trial um but we haven't recorded um a new intro outro together since then but she just went and did an interview she did (laughs) yes and she brought like a binder of psych notes from like her therapist that she said verifies her claims of abuse but the reason why it wasn't allowed in court was because it's considered hearsay so it doesn't necessarily substantiate anything that happened and she kind of said some other things in the interview it was with savannah guthrie the interview was not that great Mm -mm. it was really weird and I kind of want to add Savannah Guthrie to the Roach of the Week. Because did you pay her? Because she got a bill now. So, like... Well, the... So, the... And the Savannah Guthrie part of it was because she didn't ask, like, any groundbreaking questions. But she also appeared very biased. 
she appeared team Johnny Depp in the interview and I felt like as a journalist it's okay to ask the tough questions but you also have to when you're when you're doing an interview of that magnitude you kind of have to leave your opinion at the door and just let the information flow right and so the interview just got real weird oh no yeah that's unfortunate yeah so it's just the hits keep on coming for her because then you went and did an interview you already lost Mm-hmm. And then you went and did an interview, and they wasn't even on your side. Yeah. So it didn't help. No. Oh, no. I honestly, I didn't really keep up with it, keep up with it. But I just feel like they both did things to each other. There is no way. Uh, so I wasn't into it at first, and then I started watching it because I work from home, and I really don't have anything better to do. Mm-hmm. But live stream stuff... So, I was like, you know what? Like, this is on. I, it's relevant. It's pop culture. It's the phenomenon of the day. Like, I have a radio show. Like, I should be tapped into this stuff. Yeah. So, no, for sure. So, I watched it. And to be honest, like, she just came across like a psychopathic liar the mm. whole time. And a lot of the evidence that was introduced really pointed to Johnny Depp winning the case really yeah and the case wasn't so that's the other thing that we have to separate in our minds is the case it was a defamation suit so it wasn't did he abuse her or did she abuse him that's not what the it was whether that's not what the root of the case was yeah was did she say false statements about him that impacted his life and career and the jury agreed that that happened Mm. and that her her claims were unsubstantiated Mm. and johnny depp was also found liable for much less in damages but he was found responsible for uh something that his attorneys said so it wasn't even something that he said it was something that his attorney said on his behalf and so that's where his what yeah that's where because she countersued him for defamation and that's where the part where everyone's like well they both lost because and they both won because they each owed each other some money but she owed him substantially more um he he she was awarded only two million dollars i think in Mm -hmm. the suit but it was over a comment that his attorneys made on his behalf saying that her claims were fabricated so yeah real weird glad it's over really hope that they can all just move on at this point that's where we're at i hope so i don't know how we're gonna forget that ever that they were off the hook man my roach of the week is gonna have to go to crew restaurant yesterday and honestly, I haven't been there, so I don't have anything to contribute to. Well, we were just talking about <laughs> it, and, and Crew got all this hype, and they had an article, and they were the best, and all this. So I take my dad there for Father's Day. So I made a reservation. We get there, we're seated quickly, um, and that was great. You know, we give the order and all that, and uh, then it went downhill from there. We were, first of all, crew is not even that big. And we were waiting for an hour to an hour and a half. First of all, we didn't get the appetizers, which was some wonton, like goat cheese wontons and seven oysters. That took about 45 minutes. Oh my no God. Lie. No was lie. Was it busy? It, I guess there was a party in the back. So it, it was, it was kind of busy, but not 45 minutes for an appetizer busy right and then we got the food it was like an hour and a half in but like i said the appetizer came out late but they gave the first appetizer to somebody else that came in after us oh no that was, yeah no and then she was like did you get your appetizer and we did not and then so there was like people around us who had came after us and who had came and left oh no no we got food no and i didn't even get nothing crazy like i got um blackened monkfish or whatever fish don't take long to cook everybody else they don't even have an extensive menu there's burgers steaks pasta what did mr shrimps. bell get he got oh mr bell got filet mignon okay yeah okay so but like i said uh 
and it was like market price it was like a 60 dollars filet mignon he said it did not it was not even that good to be that i didn't like the monkfish i don't oh, even know no. what monkfish is it it honestly looked like cod it was very salty oh no so we sat at the chef's table there was like a table and then you could see them cooking and stuff yeah. like that i don't want to say what i saw there i'm gonna need you to say what you uh, no because like i said i don't want to be responsible for you know but i'm just gonna talk about my experience with my service and my food and Did they uh drop the food on the floor God, there was like some shelf thing above the grill so i guess maybe they used it to keep things hot because i would see like plates go up there sometimes and then i would see like steaks get thrown up there like literally tossed up in there and then they would just grab it out and put it on the plate like when everything else was ready and things it's been making me want to cook for myself it was when i hear these stories it was sketchy i was like maybe they should not let people sit here um but yeah i did not have a good experience i did not have a good meal the lady never came back to refill the water no one ever came by if you see people waiting for an hour and a half or whatever that's crazy somebody need to come say something somebody need to come apologize you know do we need anything what free dessert you? yeah something like that the owner there was important people walking around nobody came over to say anything and it was just crazy i didn't like it i will never go there i'm sorry that you guys had that experience yeah and it was expensive it was expensive crew needs to make it right i hope yeah. they hear this yeah i'm sorry y'all but uh roach of the week mm-hmm. right over there so we got roach of the week recap crew restaurant for her mm-hmm. and savannah guthrie mm-hmm. <laughs> throwing her in there too for real man well i just want to say happy father's day to all the fathers happy father's day we love the fathers especially mr bell because he listens to the show right faithfully love you dad and yeah oh yeah let's remind them yo we got thursdays now too yep so thursdays at 11 mondays at 10 all streaming platforms platforms for podcasts we just did our little yo we recorded a commercial (laughs) so now we're gonna drop a whole bunch of episodes at once so make sure oh yeah we're about to flood it yeah so definitely tune in there and then in the field radio.com in the field radio on all social media t-h-e-e lady underscore d and Aaron boogie for me okay Everywhere. send us emails yeah info at in radio.com if you have music you want to submit just put a title in your name and send it we will listen to it and hopefully we'll air it yeah most of the time we air it thanks for chilling with those chicks on mondays and thursdays have a good night